Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first ever episode of the Black Jack Pack podcast. I am here, one of the many, many hosts that we're going to have during this exciting series. We've got my boy, Parse, at the, right there with us. we got playmaker Rudy Jeffrey with us. And me, myself, Ryan, you call me too. Uh, and we're going to be talking about a whole lot of stuff here. Guys, would you like to introduce yourselves? Yeah, uh, like uh, like uh, Ryan Fresh over here said, you know, uh, not clear descendant of Dougie Fresh, but pretty close. <laughs> Rap quality. Yeah, I'm Paris. Um, really uh, excited just to be in the call here and just be with you guys talking about some stuff, some good topics. Play? Yo, playmaker, investor, businessman. I wear many hats, but, you know, you can call me Rudy. Um but yeah, no, it's great to get everybody on the call. We're missing a few people, but you know, they'll be on next time. Um, but you know what? Let's just start off with something that's been popping off just a lot. Um, the last dance. Mm-hmm. I to be honest, my perception of Michael has changed. Right? And it's not because I did like I knew everything that like 98% of everything that happened, apart from Dennis. The, the Carmen Electra story that I didn't know about like Michael coming in, barging in the room that I didn't know, but I knew that he left for Vegas. I knew everything else about Dennis Rodman. I knew about Scotty. I, I knew all of the, the, the stories, but what my perception of Michael had changed now into how he made the documentary. Mm-hmm. Right. Because to have really put the people that, you call your boys or your friends or your teammates in under this lens like he did scotty wrong right i i just i'm sorry there's not enough about scotty's accomplishment they never even said that scotty won all-star game mvp look to me just to give a little bit of context for those who are following for the first time, The Last Dance is the 10-part ESPN documentary about uh, the 1997-98 Chicago Bulls, their last run that Phil Jackson titled The Last Dance, which was going to be Jordan's, him, and Pippen's last year together as a nucleus for six, well, what would become six NBA championships. Now, Rudy, you're calling it, um, you said that you see Jordan differently. I see him differently but not in the sense that he's a worse person i think to me jordan looks like even smarter than he did before and more human than he did before because who did not think that jordan was untouchable you know everybody in this call everybody every kid every black kid in the hood at one point sang uh, i want to be like mike everybody sang it everybody thought it at one point in their lives now you see that Jordan, he was a competitive. Um, some people would say he was a bad person. But no, I think he was a tantamount winner. He knew how to win, and he did it to the best of his abilities, and he pushed everybody else to do it as well. Did he do his people wrong? No, because as a historian, every person's side of the story is important. Because if we don't know every side of the story, then the story is never going to get told. So I need to know the side from the bad guy just as much as I know the side from the protagonist. No, but my, you, 
You know, I, I, I got a, I, I was born there. I, I lived in that city for 14 years, um, mm. age of two, when they won the 98 one. And I actually, apparently I was there at the parade. Obviously wasn't old enough to recollect the actual events, but obviously what I- You better figure that out. Yeah. You better. <laughs> Looking from the outside in, here I have many different stories from people who lived through those years in Chicago on personal accounts of what Jordan was like. Uh, I'm first going to do the most generic because you know Jamie Foxx has been very adamant on his Instagram about who Jordan was, and he was without a doubt an asshole. <laughs> simple. Okay, this guy would go and park his Hummer in front. You guys, you guys, what everybody's watched the Last Dance, you saw three different cars there. He had the Porsche 911 RSR. Pretty famous, you know, $95,000 car at the time. You could probably get one for like 13, 18, they're still around. Um, he drove the Cadillac Escalade. It was there, operated out. And then he had a couple of old cars, which he kept with his family. But nobody, nobody really talked about his Hummer experiences. And people who, who really knew him in Chicago knew that he would go to this really extravagant club in Chicago called the Cotton Club. And he would literally park his Hummer there, leave it in front of the damn place, like where nobody could really, like, you had to walk around the Hummer. And he would only be able to approach by two people. That would be the owner and the, and the assistant manager, where then he would toss his keys at them for them to go move it for him. This is the type of person that he was. He was, he was so much in the spotlight that he didn't care about the, the hospitality or even the respect of giving a person to another person. All of what you see in the last dance of him being nice to reporters and being nice to the coaching staff and being nice to teammates, you know, I feel like that is fluff, and that's where I get with the documentary. I feel like it was personally not what I wanted from him. It was, mm -hmm. it was like the 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 um, reputation he has for being a, for being such a malicious person has caught up to him, and he wants to rectify that by using this documentary as I was a competitor, but I was I was nice, kind of selectively nice. You know, like, I didn't swear at Phil. You know, on 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 camera, as you saw, you you don't even know I swore at Phil. If I told you I swore at Phil, where us who, who actually know Jordan and Rudy can attest to this, bro, the, the man was straight up an asshole. There was a point in time where he wanted to have Phil fired for not him getting the ball. This was at the aspects of him learning the triangle offense. So this documentary was, in my eyes, a cover up of who he actually is. I was disappointed in the fact that it doesn't show him, but all in all, I still give the documentary a nine out of ten, just because of how it makes you feel like you're actually in the, a 1998 app. No. Storytelling-wise, one of the best documentaries of all time. Mm. My problem, like, you're, you're talking about Jordan's personality, like, at the time, and he's trying to fix it. My thing is, like, you can, like, I almost don't care about what necessarily happened. I just care about how you portrayed people, right? Like, mm. because the thing is, is for Scottie Pippen, to be your, that's my thing, for Scottie Pippen to be your boy, your friend, your teammate, your wingman, the guy that you said there wouldn't be a Michael Jordan without Scottie Pippen, fact, what, word for word, what he said, for you to have depicted him, Horace, or even Rodman in that way, bruh. I feel like Rodman now, got the respect he needed. He had Rod a lot of screen time, which was very positive. And, we, we, and even in production-wise, they'll tell you, they filmed all of Rodman's interview in around 10 to 15 minutes because that's all he let them have. But I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I felt like I had more than enough Rodman or more yeah. than uh, more Rodman than I've had in the Definitely. past 15 years. A hundred percent. This is the most authentic Rodman we've seen since the Korean problem where he was <laughs> hanging out with uh, Kim. Bro. Goodness <laughs> gracious. No, no. Oh. I, we need, 
we need a 10-part documentary on Dennis Rodman's life. That Carmen Electra story. <laughs> <laughs> Bro. Like, the fact that he took a whole vacation in the middle of the season blew my mind. Like, I knew the story, but, like, when they were talking about the story, I'm like, I know this story. I know this story. Mm-hmm. No, it's the same story. We never seen that. No, and it's it's tre- we've never seen that footage. And to me, I'm also looking at it from a wrestling perspective because I'm a wrestling fan. WCW, WWE, I watched all of that, and I knew I had heard stories. I even saw footage of Rodman at WCW. It never clicked to me in my mind that this was happening in the middle of the 1998 NBA Finals. How dare you? (laughs) I know Hulk Hogan's cool like that, but dog, there are some bigger things to do at this present moment than skip practice and almost skip the game. (laughs) No, no, but you know know one thing about the documentary, and I hope, like, I know people are just going to see Jordan and his compulsiveness towards winning and how he saw and whatever. You know what I really enjoyed is that you'll see how Phil approached winning, mm-hmm. how Pippen approached winning, how Rodman approached winning. Right? You mean that in, that engine comment about being a family from Phil or or Rodman's or Rodman's whole thing where it has to be fun, it has to be yeah. team spirited, it has to be togetherness. Or Scotty's vision was was I'm gonna be number two to Jordan, that's fine, but I want to be number one. And then of course having um, Kush, uh, was it Kuko who hit that? And then him, him sitting there saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Bro, that's the stuff that I'm upset about. You, like, that's the stuff I'm so upset about with the portrayal of Scotty and Horace. And because, Horace left. No, Horace, Horace. Horace deserved, I think Horace, of all the people who got a bad portrayal, Horace, of all people, deserved it. And the reason why is because Horace never looked at First of all, he never tried to be friends with Jordan. Jordan is probably the executive producer. He's the executive of everything in this documentary. Yeah, all right. That- you better you better be nice to the person who's making the story of your life. All right. Jordan gave him three rings, three more than Horace ever got without him. You got so, one without him. Relax. Kobe. Which one? Oh, Kobe. Oh, the one where he had. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I forgot the one where he had the guy that emulated Jordan. <laughs> Bro, no, no. My Jordan, problem, the closest thing to Jordan we got since Jordan. <laughs> bro, I'm not Man, I feel like John Morant's coming. I just want to put it out. I feel like John Morant is coming. He's going to make a big statement on this whole six rings deal. I want to put it out there before it happens. And it's uh, called, you're, calling an NBA, you're calling an NBA championship in John Morant's career? Bro, definitely. 100%. In Memphis? Uh, it's not. It's, it's so hard <laughs> team he'll gonna get it from but that kid right now what he's being able to do right now it just shows to me that there's a lot of jordan in him there is there's a um, lot of there's a lot of just greatness in him i i definitely bro. see a ring a ring in, i mean i want to i want to put him on that jordan radar i hope he gets the supporting cast he needs to do that but anyways going back to the last dance i mean um here's the problem i had actually with watching it that i wanted to kind of put in um just yeah he kind of did scotty wrong um, I, I kinda. You can get the. No, they don't mention the All Star Game MVP. They, they don't mention, like, like they, they mention how important he is to the team, and then they go from bashing the whole rest of the documentary. He mentioned the sixty four season. When look, 
went off with them. They they lost to Ewing. They they mentioned it. I wish they had a little bit more of a segment in that because again, we're talking about the '98 season. It should have been about the '98 season ups and downs because they weren't the best team. They they tied I think with the Jazz for the best record in the in the league. Mm-hmm. Rough start. To me, in my they talked about that. To me, there's a lot of things I wish they would have talked about, but in terms of the portrayal of people, I think. I'm looking at it also when you got to look at when you're the star of the show. And we've all been in those situations where we're the main guy. And if I had to go back to my, to, to my high school where I did a lot in my high school. Uh-huh. Uh, when I look at my, my high school career and a lot of the stuff I did in high school, I, I was the main guy over there. And if there was a documentary, for, like a temper documentary like ESPN, and they asked me what did I think about the people in my high school, about the, the teams that I've been on, the championships that I've won, um, it would be a positive, I would say positive things, but the videotapes wouldn't show positive things being said by me or by those people about me. But I still brought them championships. I still brought them championships, so you can't be salty with me. I, I brought you the chip. Just like Jordan brought them a chip. I, I, I'd have a bad experience with those high school ones, but <laughs> just, just, just everything that kind of happened. I kind of put it behind my review when I got when I got to school, and then you know what happened with with uh, with the varsity team at UFT and UFT, uh, the championships that that Rudy and I were part of. I mean that that's where my highlights would be. But um, I was particularly mad about how they depicted Isaiah Thomas. That's what gets me kind of kind of cheesed now when I really reflect on it. Now, I mean, the thing is, is Isaiah, to be honest, I, it doesn't help Isaiah's legacy, and nobody wants to talk about it now. Is the stuff that he did after his career. His two jam spots in Toronto and New York weren't hot. There's a lot of shadier stuff that was said or done during that time. So that doesn't help. Like, it might not be said, but I think a lot of it is understood afterwards. You know what I mean? Because I wouldn't say Larry Bird was a particularly nice person. No. Right? The nicest, the nicest to me, the two nicest people to ever really be finals MVP, to be champions, would be Magic Johnson and LeBron James. Those are the two nicest people. No, probably Dwayne. And even the, oh yeah, and Dwayne Wade. Mm, Yeah, Dwayne Wade is definitely up there. Dwayne Wade is. Timmy D. Oh, Timmy. Well, we don't know how Timmy D feels, mainly because, well, you're in the Spurs system. And in the Spurs system, do you really talk to reporters? No, you don't. I want to say this. The next. I would like to see a ten. You want to see a Vince Carter documentary? I want to see a Spurs documentary. No, but I want to see the Spurs, and I want to see the last years of Kobe, and I want to see Magic Johnson. Vince's doc should come next because Vince's doc is very important, especially after what Jordan has said and done with his '98 season. To be interesting to see what Vince said about Jordan, because there was a time, you know, Vince was competing with Kobe, obviously, but there was a time where Vince thought he should have been the best player, best player ever play. I think that's, that that would be a good documentary, but I also think it gives a lot of closure and would answer a lot of questions that Toronto uh, Toronto fans have around Vince Carter, especially now that the Toronto Raptors are NBA champions. And with, fly, the, fly, NBA, fly, fly. And with the NBA lockout uh, right now due to the coronavirus, shoo, we might be defending champions next year too. So, <laughs> but, um, Vince, Vince going to his graduation is fine with me, man. It did not. It did not mess with his game. Listen, listen. As a Toronto fan, you were not there. I was a child, and I there was pain <laughs> when he missed that shot, bro. It just bounced I, left. I listen, know. 
I know my grandfather. Kawhi's bounce right. Kawhi's bounce right. It's the same shot. Look, think about it. It's the same shot. No, no, I said that. It's the same shot. Bounce left. A lot of I know I know some people who would tell you that I know some people who would tell you that Kawhi's shot isn't even that important. But to me, it, it goes back to the last dance. Moments like those in the NBA in the NBA are few and far between when you have a series clinching bucket. Uh, I look at the Jordan over Elo. That was Jordan over Elo is one of the best buckets. Jordan over Elo, one of the greatest buckets. And the way that they talked about it in the documentary. It really showed you that this Cleveland team back back in the day was a team. They oh, weren't yeah. a bunch of scrubs that Jordan just just shrugged off. No, these were some actual bucket getting guys. They had Craig Elo. They had Ron Harper. The, the, these were squad. This was a squad. And I think even Steve Kerr was part Nance. of that team. Larry Nance. Yeah, yeah I mentioned Larry Nance, bro. It, it was it was a tough. It was a tough team. And it's what makes these moments even more impactful. If you look at the stories of the NBA, look, no matter what we'll say, the Philadelphia 76ers of the 2019 NBA season, they were a bang-up squad. They were a straight-up squad. Joel Embiid, J.J. Redick, Ben Simmons, those are guys who will either go to the Hall of Fame or are Hall of Fame bound already. J.J. Redick off his college career alone should be Hall of Fame ready, Okay. Joel Embiid, if he continues on the way that he's going, Hall of Fame. He will go to the Hall of Fame. Ben Simmons, if he develops a jump shot, possibly. If Ben Simmons develops a shot, Hall of Fame. But what The Last Dance shows me and what it shows me about the future of the NBA as well is that these little moments that we get to capture whenever the NBA is on is they're fleeting moments. But the greats that we have, we need to acknowledge them while they're still here. The, the documentary hurt for me. The episode when I saw Kobe. Yeah, oh. yeah, that, that was, was that was the most emotional. That was, so that was the most emotional episode. I I did not expect it. I I was watching, I was watching Netflix. I was on my bed. I was just chilling, and it and you just hits my screen in in honor of Kobe Bryant. And let the waterworks begin. I had to call up my girl and tell her, yo, y'all don't know if I can watch this episode. This is about to make me cry. Yeah, you got a good question for a lot of the last dance people out there. Um, given that you guys watch the documentary, question the question is, I mean, I know it was pushed up, but was this the right time to 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 bring up this documentary? Listen, this documentary was completely done. For any other, just for Jordan's ego, period. There is no other reason because listen, it's not an anniversary of when they won. It's not an anniversary. Um, like the the, the Jordan Jordan sales aren't going down. Like I'm I'm not seeing a real reason why we're having it. I'm just I enjoyed it because I'm a Jordan fan. Because I'm a fan of the NBA, I'm a fan of ball, right? But the thought process behind it, I actually like, like Michael Jordan is like, oh no, I want people to know, uh, like what it took to get there and all, like all of the little reasons he gave for me were not enough. Or mm. it was just an it ego play. Huh? It wasn't even genuine like that. I think it was the good. I think it was a good time to do it. But I think the real reason why he did it now. It was because of pressure from the coronavirus, nothing's being on. 
And number two, outshine LeBron as much as possible. And no, I don't, don't want to recognize LeBron because I don't that to me he he only has one ring. There's one ring he has in a half season, the other ring because against a you know, not experienced OKC team. He really only has one true ring. And that ring speaks louder volumes than any other ring. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The the ring he beat the first one? Stop that. And the, the ring he beat the Spurs. That was a half season. That was a half season. It's a half season. Yeah, a half season where they won 27 straight games. Half no, 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 but you see, me when it comes to the whole, if wait, it's wait, a Jordan. Wait, wait, Tim du- wait, question. So Tim Duncan only has four rings. He only has four, yeah. That one, that one ring he had. Uh, I think that's the two thousand ninety nine. Ninety nine season no, was the no, lockout no, season. Ninety nine was the last. Was a half season. Was yeah. a lockout season. It yeah, was Jordan. Yeah, so. yeah. I don't count ninety nine half seasons. I don't count half seasons. Why? Would you if the Why NBA? Because they're not true testaments. Okay, think about this from an athlete. We're all athletes here. When you have a full season, right? Your body has to be repped to go. In our case of high school ball, your bo- your body has to be repped to go for six to seven months. Mm-hmm. Seven months being, you know, that 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 period after the March break, after winter break, when you're going into April, which is the playoff time. You have to be ready, and you start in October the season. You're te- you're telling me that the NBA guy who gets paid to play basketball, by the way, who has all he has the top trainers, top diet, top whatever, only has to do half of that work that season but he's been continuously doing it on a regular basis because he's trained to do so. Because it's not that these guys slack off like we do. You know, in high school, you can slack off and eat a sub, eat a pizza one, two weeks, right? If you're, if you're dropping 30, you might drop, like, what, 23 the next game? There's still enough to win because your team is nice. In, in NBA, it's so competitive. So, like, by the time the offseason hits in June to when it starts in October, you're still training hard. It's just that now that, that individual training takes more of a precedent than uh, on the court, which would have helped with the rhythm. And because other teams are not are lacking the rhythm as well, the teams that lose, obviously you can. There's a point to it that they lack rhythm than the team that won. Mm-hmm. Well, it's unfair. No, no, okay. No, no, no. It's unfair. No, no, no. If you all play 62 games, but I'm lacking more rhythm than you because obviously you guys have you guys are better, more chemistry, whatever. Ray Allen obviously has done, done the individual ref to be able to hit a shot like that. Crazy ass shot, by the way. Um, then like it's unfair, and that's why I can't. I no, just, no, no, no. Thanks. I count it, it's actually a better testament to how good you are. If we're using that same logic, right? Yeah. Because to be honest, if you beat a team, older teams now have, like, a better opportunity to win. Okay, I see. Right? And games it's matter more. more. It's Season more matters more. So if I'm, we're only playing 50 games, those 50 games matter more than 82. Those 30 extra games. Like, if you win 50 games, and most years you're a playoff team, you're probably like a third seed, fourth seed, if not higher. Right? But on a, so, but on a lockout shortened season, you win 30, and woo, you, you're a nice little like, playoff team. Because I don't compare it to how many games you play. I compare winning percentages, right? Because, and I even said 50 games is probably what, NBA ship will probably be playing like 50 to 60 anyway, right? Hmm. Because like most by by March, not even March, like February, you basically know who's making the playoffs. I think of like Detroit, Detroit, seeds, you know what I mean? Detroit, so six is basically locked in. 
You played most of the games that were important mm-hmm. to win. I'm just so, saying. So it's a race feel, in the beginning. If you have a hot start in the beginning and then you level off, you, you make the playoffs regardless. But like, so I have a question for the both of you. Teams who've made the comeback, the Bulls being one of them. So may I have a question for the both of you then? Yeah. So at the end of the last dance, Jordan says that he would have wanted to go for a seventh if Kraus and Reinsdorf had come together and told everybody, okay, we're going for one last one in 99. There's a lockout shortened season. So let's say they start in around December. Do you guys think the Bulls win number seven? Yes. Yes or no? Parse, why? Uh, Dennis would have been like playing around. They would have had, they would have had, definitely would have had some problems convincing Sky to come back, especially with the contract that he had. But Trash. You, you, you're telling us that you still have the same core team, right? Minus Horace Grant, um, still playing. And Jordan, Jordan at that point, he's still hungry. Like, I get the whole, like, yeah, we won three and then won three again. But the precipice of having seven, which would put you in the same realm as Bill Russell potentially with the 13th. Because of the way the seasons have, the games have changed. There's more. The 11, yeah, 11, 13 seasons. More science. So it's like, might as well do it. Especially if, the, and might as well renew Phil. But the problem with the whole thing is all it comes, to, it all comes down to politics. Jerry Krause is playing the long game. He's saying, if I have these guys play, they get old, they get built, or they get injured, I'm out 11 seasons to rebuild. Let's think about Derrick Rose when he got drafted, okay? 11 seasons. If I do it now in 98, I could shorten that season. And if you saw in 2005 and 2004, they picked up Ben Gordon and they picked up some other European players, including Kirk Heinrich, who who later on became a good point guard for them. So which game do you want to play? And Krause is thinking like any GM would would be. This is why we had that argument on the WhatsApp. Any GM, you're looking at it from long-term basis. Might as well do it. But as a player perspective, and you and I all have it, if we feel like we can win, we're going to play. Run it back. Or we don't – it could – we could be tired on, an, on, a, on a Sunday night at 10.30 at night. We played, what, 15 games of pickup. If we feel like together we can go ahead and gather ourselves with whatever energy we had left and win a 16-game, we're going to try. Yeah. No doubt about it. But we're yeah. coming from the GM. Um, I understand yeah. Burris is really good there. I understand Greg Popovich is a great coach. There is, there's a proven track record that you can see. Greg is a better coach than Phil. Phil got five with Kobe. Mm. And he got five with Kobe with his best with a, with a second man in Powell. Now people argue Powell was in his prime years. The fact that he took a team of Ron Artest, uh, Andrew Bynum, Derek Fisher, Kobe Bryant, and, and Powell to beat Boston and then Orlando is a testament how good Phil is. Phil's- see, see to me, I, I would I would say that you're kind of right. Would I have picked the 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 Bulls to win? A seventh ring? Possibly. I'm saying possibly. I'm in the maybe column. Oh, I'm in the I'm maybe in the column. Because no I'm not playing in the no column. And here's why. Here's why. Facing off, let's say they face off against the Spurs in the finals, then it will really truly be a coaching battle. And it's a testament. What you just said is a testament. I guess Greg Popovich is a better coach. When he it comes better. to the right. IQ, basketball IQ, Greg Popovich might just be the greatest coach to ever play the game, to ever play because he himself at one point played and coached the game. So yeah. Phil Jackson, what Phil Jackson, Jackson is great at, and you see it really well in the last dance, is dealing with people. He would be great in any human resource capacity, all right? He'd be that great HR guy. 
Phil Jackson was able to deal with Jordan Zigo, uh, not to be offensive, but Scottie Pippen's um, more lack reserved – huh? Lack of what? Lack of the moment. I wouldn't say lack of the moment. I think he was more reserved than Jordan was. And then you have Dennis being Dennis. A wild and then um, yeah, a wild card. But then you also have to see him later on. You have to deal with not w- one of Jordan's egos. No, you have to feel uh, – Phil has to deal with um, Shaq's ego, Kobe's ego, Derek Fisher's complacency, um, Ron Artest's Ron Artestness was possibly the closest thing we'll ever get to a Dennis Rodman. Um, so I think Phil is a great people person and great able to, to coach. That'll be really the, the end game, trying to figure out what will be better. Will it be uh, Popovich's tactic, uh, tactical ability with the Spurs that can win them a championship? Or will it be uh, Phil being able to bring the talented guys that he has towards the championship because otherwise it's a very even game between the Spurs and the Bulls. I think it would go to game seven. When you, have, game seven. when you have guys like David, uh, David Robinson, Timmy D on one side versus Jordan, Scotty, Ron, Steve, and Rodman is going to be a tough night in San Antonio, but they're not going to win the 99 championship. I don't think they will. It'd be a maybe. Either one could win it, but I don't think Endgame, the experience of six NBA championships behind you, that level of mental toughness that you have to go through to face off with both Jerry's and win? Well, ladies and gentlemen. No, 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 no. But you're also forgetting how good the Knicks were that year. They were crazy. So I think that was in the year. No, no, no. The Knicks were not – the Knicks were not crazy. The Knicks were not crazy. The Knicks were lucky. Listen, Latrell Sprewell had one of the craziest playoff runs I've ever seen. I wonder if he would have got that run against the Bulls. I really do. Listen, even if they say – Every time he had the opportunity, it seems like he caught an L. (laughs) Yo, but Patrick's not on the floor, mind you. So, Patrick – I'm sorry. If Patrick's Patrick's not there, the Knicks just have a better shot. Mm -hmm. That's That's a debate for another time. Right, because in basketball now, because of Patrick Ewing, there's a whole statistic or way of thinking. Even in business now, they they want to they call the Patrick Ewing effect, where it's like because that person is really really good, they take on a lot more responsibility, but the team plays more mediocre. But once you take that person out, everybody's abilities goes up, and they actually play better, and they actually end up being a better team even though they had this really good person beforehand. And so to like win, but to win a championship, in the great word of the great philosopher, Mr. T.I. Harris, I don't want no mediocre. I don't want no mediocre. I don't eat no mediocre. Mediocre doesn't win championships. But, no, no, that's what the last dance also showed us. No, but that's what I'm saying. Timmy D, David Robinson, Avery Johnson, that, that team was stacked. And I'm – and. To your point, I think Steve Kerr still leaves and goes to um, the Spurs because of contract and because um, Jared Kraft had basically – Jared Kraft and Ryan Stewart have said they were too old and they have been pushed out. Like, you can find other shooters, you know what I mean? Not to say that Steve Kerr wasn't great because he still ended up having, what, two two more rings in him, three more rings in him? We don't have a Dude, lot of time. All up. Steve has more than anybody, bro. <laughs> bro, wait. <laughs> 
Three, three with the Warriors, three with the Bulls, two with the Spurs. Are we missing any? <laughs> I think, you know, we have to really it's, dive deep into the numbers. I okay, but Jordan like has 11. Like, he has as much as Phil. I feel like he has as much as Phil. I could be wrong. We got to really look into it. Well, wait a minute, guys. Okay, let's look at the last dance, really, really the people who come out a winner. Phil's got 11. More question in, Jordan, so make this question good. Jordan's got six. Um, yeah. You know, the six with the Bulls, the zero with the Wizards, and the zero with the Charlotte Hornets. Um, we just got to make that clear for all the audience to know. Um, Pippen comes out with six. Who do you think wins from the last dance and the game? We've watched the entire documentary. Everybody, you've got less than a minute to tell you guys what you guys think. Okay, so who, who wins in this documentary? I'm, I'm really sad to say this. LeBron James wins in this documentary. Um, Isaac... Isaiah Thomas, I feel like he got a bit of a win because we get to see the it's just the slander and such a great point guard. People who lose in this, Scottie Pippen lost big, Horace Grant loses big in this, uh, Jordan loses big, and surprisingly enough, Kerr and Phil Jackson look even more great now. You guys, yeah, what happened? They look, like, they look like better. Even John Paxton, like we have to put respect on his name. Bill Wellington. Yo, I I didn't see any Luke Longley, and I'm upset. <laughs> John Paxson, like John you Paxson, Steve Kerr. I never had as much sympathy. Like I never knew Steve Kerr's story until I watched The Last Dance. And when I saw Steve Kerr's story, I, knew, I, I knew it, it took it took me back, and I'm like, wow, this guy really fought through everything to make it to where he is today now. And I just have mad respect for Steve Kerr. And if anybody, I don't care who you are. If anybody says anything wrong about Steve Kerr, I will actively debate them and fight them on it. No, this guy is an absolute, no pun intended, he's a warrior. For real, for real. Done. I got the pun though. He fought Michael and Michael respected him after. <laughs> I knew about the fight, but it's a different lens when he tells it like that. Um, there was a, yeah. whole, like, media, like, a whole media skint on it, but to see it at that perspective, it makes it a lot better. From, the, from his personal life to the fight, I think arguably the, the biggest winner is Steve Kerr. Steve no, Kerr no, says Phil. Phil's the biggest winner. Because remember, Steve, Phil took that, took that hit in the Knicks when he was GM there. So mm -hmm. Phil's a bigger winner in this one. Phil, Phil, Phil talks so softly. He's Phil. just there. He has nothing else to prove. He's I the only guy in NBA who does all this true. wrong. Like, think about all the wrongs he did in LA Lakers. All the wrongs he did in the, with, this, with the Bulls. <laughs> All the rest did with the Knicks, and there was a lot of controversy in who he is as a person, and to come out and still be respected today. Imagine oh, just, if he did that. Do you think he's talking about Greg the same way? No, but let me pull off my Phil Jackson and just be really calm, sit back. I'm pretty yeah, sure Phil right. Jackson is just chilling somewhere in Wyoming right now with Kanye uh, yo, and just some, living his best a, life. Bro, there's moments where Phil is literally speaking. One word a minute. I swear to God. <laughs> and it's and the thing is, it's not like I'm not even saying that to diss him. Like he's talking so slowly, and then you're really captured into what he's saying, word for word. It's like, hmm. And then you realize it's like he ain't said nothing about basketball. He's talking about, <laughs> about Native Americans. Like, Sir, can we get back to the topic at hand? <laughs> 
And the worst part is you can feel every single time he's talking about Dennis, it's like a father talking so provingly of his son. And there's yeah. just that, that type of emotional connection to Dennis. And Dennis is just like, oh, yeah, this is great. I love Phil. He just let me go. He just let me go all the way to Vegas to go see Carmen. And it was, oh, it was a party. It was a party. And I'm like, Listen, goodness. I need to party with him. No, 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 no. I need to party I, with him. Dennis Rodman, for a fact, you, I want to party with him one time in my life. Just I, I just need to party with him and, once. And the thing about Dennis, I, like I always had mad respect for Dennis. Right, because I'd watched a lot of stuff about Dennis, read a lot about him, and but my, like I hope that people realize how amazing he was, because and there's a part of that, that they don't say this, but you know that he would a jog, run, or be on the bicycle or the step, step ladder after games. He just played an NBA game, and he would work out for another hour. Mm-hmm. That's, right, that's he said that he didn't he, he never wanted anybody to be able to outrun him that is a mad mad fire coming from Dennis Rodman well here we are the end of our first ever blackjack pack episode I'd like to thank my co-host here Pars Playmaker this is the Rated R number two. I'm Zelf Ryan. I hope everybody enjoyed the first episode. Guys, would you like to say any last words? Uh, wow. Look at Ashford. I'd like to say that Ashford's here. <laughs> 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 so we could probably get a little bit of an input. <laughs> but now I'm probably just, just thank you for having me on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, well, we will definitely be back for another episode sooner than later. We hope that everybody enjoyed. Click the subscribe button. Leave us a like when you guys are done. If you're on Spotify, put us on repeat as much as you can. And we will be back with you as soon as possible. Have a wonderful night, everybody. See you guys. Have a good one.